this morning. I'm just going to crack on here because we're running out of time because Paul taught for so long. Um, we've just been looking at the kingdom a lot over the last um, couple of months, actually. So since we're in a school, I could do the teacher thing and ask you, you know, what do you remember? What stood out for you? Hopefully you've remembered something from the talks over the last couple of months. But we've heard about us through Jesus being the light of the world. We've heard about giving it away as we say yes to God. We've heard about the upside downness of the kingdom, having faith like a child, the kingdom now not yet. We can see healing, redemption, and restoration, but not in all its fullness till Jesus returns. We've talked about hearing God's whispers and acting on them and seeing the kingdom come in people's lives. And last week, Emily brilliantly shared about the kingdom demonstrated in the outrageous, unconditional love of the father to the prodigal son. So, um, the kingdom has come a lot this week, as Paul just said. The kingdom came this week in the primary school in Carrick when Gillian got to share with her RE lesson how much God loves the children, and nine of them said, yes, I want to receive that love. The kingdom came this week in prison when Malcolm got to pray with a guy, a prisoner there, who said, I want to give my life to God. How do I do that? Like, how amazing is that? The kingdom came this week in hospital when Leanne was visiting her granny and her granny asked, could you pray with me, which she did. And then the lady in the bed opposite said to her, I saw you praying there. Um, how can God be real if life is so crap? I've been asking someone to come along and explain that to me. And Leanne got to share with the lady in the hospital how difficult her life has been, but yet how God has come through and been part of that for her after a couple of hours of talking to the lady, Leanne got to pray with her and she received Jesus into your life. The kingdom came this week when I was in the car with my little seven-year-old and we, she just started a conversation. She said, mommy, I'm so thankful for and started listing all these things she's thankful for. And I said, well, hope I'm so thankful for. And I started listing things and then she did and I did. And in the car, we were just practicing Thanksgiving together. You know, the kingdom came this week when our life group just got to wander around Carrick and pray and pray for God to come and bind up brokenhearted people and whoever he wants to use us as a church, please just show us. The kingdom came this week when Cap told Gina that an eight-year-old girl needed clothes and through Facebook, Gina was able to put it out there and get clothes for that little girl. The kingdom came this week in the food bank when eight, at least eight families received food. And you know, the kingdom came this week when someone bravely shared their story with me and allowed me to pray with them to help them keep going with God. And I'm not saying those stories to say, oh, aren't we great? I'm just saying those stories because they're the ones I know about. I hope that you've seen the kingdom come this week somehow, somewhere in your lives. And I've been thinking to myself, you know, God, I really want this. I want to see this kingdom stuff happen. I want to see it in my life. I want to see it in our church. For all of you, I want to see it in our town, in this country. But sometimes, I don't know about you, but I feel a bit overwhelmed. I'm like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Am I missing something? You know, am I actually doing any of this right? I'm like, God, please help. And how do I seek your kingdom? And I believe his whisper to me this week, and hopefully his whisper to many of you, is simply this. He is just saying, remain in me. 
That's all he's asking us to do is to remain in him. That's where it all comes from. That's where we see the kingdom stuff happen when we remain in him. So it was drawn in the Bible to where Jesus says, remain in me in John chapter 15. So we just want us to read that together this morning, that some of that chapter, and we'll have a wee look at it together. So Paul. I am the true vine, and uh, my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit, he, uh, does not, does bear fruit, he prunes so that it can be even more fruitful. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me, as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory, that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his father's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command. Love each other. Okay, so this I am is the final I am saying in the Gospels. And we've heard Jesus um, before say these others. I'm sorry, the writing's a bit small, but it says, I am the bread of life. I am the light of the world. I am the gate. I am the resurrection and the life. I am the way and the truth and the life. And here Jesus declares in John 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. So loads of these I am sayings are focused on Jesus as the life giver and are very invitational for us to believe. But here Jesus is calling us to remain in him. And this image of the vine and the closely associated term vineyard would have been commonly used throughout the Mediterranean world. So in the passage we just read, we see Jesus is the true vine, God the Father is the gardener, and we are the branches. And when I was reading about this um, during the week, it says, 
said, new community has been established and now must bear fruit for the Lord. And that was in a commentary written about the Bible passage, but I just really loved it for us as a church, you know, for Carrick Vineyard. New community has been established and now must bear fruit for the Lord. And I think we're really starting to see that, which is super exciting. So Jesus is beginning here with themes of intimacy and cleansing using imagery of the vine. So if God is the the gardener, Jesus is the vine, and the disciples and therefore us today are the branches, that indicates utter dependence on Jesus. It says in verse 5, apart from me you can do nothing. So our life depends on us hearing and following this call that Jesus gives us to remain in me. And I think some of us struggle with this picture. You know, some it's an intimate union of believers with Jesus. And sometimes it's hard to be intimate or close with people for different reasons. Lots of us do struggle with that. And I'm not just talking about romantic relationships, if that's what the word intimate is conjuring up in your mind. I'm talking about friends, family too. And do we let people in? Sometimes it's hard for us to let people in, to really trust people, to really open up. Some of us might only have one person that we we would actually share our hearts with. Do we let people in and therefore do we let Jesus in? And I think some of us um, here today are still living in a faith from the past. You know, we believe a lot up here in our heads, but I believe that Jesus is calling us to more but it's his kindness that leads us to repentance. You know, the outrageous love that we sang about, that we see in the prodigal son, the father calling him back and welcoming him back. That's the extravagant love that Jesus is calling us to more. It's not just about what we knew in our head, it's about what we knew in our heart. And the message in, in verse four says it like this, live in me, make your home in me just as I do in you. You know, it says, make your home in me. Don't just know about me. Move in, settle down, put your feet up, make yourself comfortable, make your home in me. Know Jesus, know who I am. And um, we've said before about us being tripartite beings. Um, We're made up of body, spirit, and soul, which is our mind, will, and emotions. And some of us aren't given all of us. We're holding stuff back. We're holding our... We're willing to let God engage with our intellect and our mind, but we're not willing to open up our emotions. But God wants us to remain in him, to make our home in him. And some of us are holding back. I think that's for different reasons. You know, one of them is that maybe you don't feel good enough or maybe you feel guilty about something you've done or something you're still doing. But look what it says here in verse 3. It says, Jesus says this to us. You are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. And I believe he's saying that to some of you today. You know, you need to lay that stuff down. You need to leave that stuff at the foot of the cross because I already paid for it there. He's saying, you are already clean. And you know, if if you're thinking about Christmas and you're you know, thinking about the people you love and what they'd like to get and you're really being thoughtful about their present and you go out and you save up all your money and you buy them a really great gift, you know, if they just turned around and said, no thanks, you would be a bit offended. And sometimes I wonder if we offend God. You know, he wants to give us this gift. He's saying, you're already clean. I've won. I've done it for you. I've paid the price. 
And he is offering us that gift today. And some of you, I think, you're trying to be the gardener. You're not being the vine. You're trying to do God's job for him. You're saying, right, well, I should feel this in my head and I should be acting like this. And if I was doing this, you're like being judge and jury on yourself. You know, no matter where you're at today, no matter how you feel, if you're close to God or if you're just hanging by a thread, there's more for you. And Jesus is saying, all I ask is that you remain in me. All I ask is that you bring it to me. That's all I ask. You know, we are clean. We're free to approach God to remain in him. But that's not where it ends. You know, it says in the passage where the branches, God is pruning us. That means we're a work in progress. We're changing. He's cutting out stuff in our lives that's not good, not helpful, not fruitful. And he's pruning parts of us that need shape so that we're more fruitful. We're a work in progress. And as we say at Carrick Vineyard, come as you are, but don't stay as you are. And I love this book um, called Just Like Jesus by Max Licato. And I just wanted to read a wee bit out of it for you this morning. My writing room is different. Just a few months ago, these walls were white. Now they are green. Once these windows were curtain covered, today they are shielded by shutters. My, my chair used to sit on a tan carpet, but the tan has been replaced by white. To be candid, I had no problem with the tan carpet. It looked fine to me, nor did I object to the white walls and curtains. From my perspective, the room looked fine but not from my wife's perspective. Denelin loves to decorate. Better stated, she has to decorate. She can no longer leave a house unchanged than an artist can leave a canvas untouched or a musician a song unsung. As for me, I'm content with owning the house. My tastes are, shall we say, less sophisticated. In my view, a chair and a refrigerator go a long way towards award-winning interior design. For me, the Herculean task is purchasing the house. Once the transaction is complete and the house is bought, I'm ready to move in and rest. Not so with Denelin. As the ink is drying on the deed, she is moving in and remodeling. I wonder if she inherited this trait from her father, her heavenly father. You see, the way Denelin views a house is a way that God views a life. God loves to decorate. God has to decorate. Let him live long enough in a heart and that heart will begin to change. Portraits of hurt will be replaced by landscapes of grace. Walls of anger will be demolished and shaky foundations restored. God can no more leave a life unchanged than a mother can leave her child's tear untouched. It's not enough for him to own you. He wants to change you. Where you and I might be satisfied with a recliner and a refrigerator, he refuses to settle for any dwelling short of a palace. After all, this is his house. No expense is spared, no corners are cut. Who oh, the utter extravagance of his work in us who trust him. This might explain some of the discomfort in your life. Remodeling of the heart is not always pleasant. We don't object when the carpenter adds a few shelves, but he's been known to gut the entire West Wing. He has such high aspirations for you. God envisioned, envisioned a complete restoration. He won't stop until he is finished, and he won't be finished until we have been shaped along the lines of his son. Your creator is making you into the image of Christ, and he wants you to be just like Jesus. So 
He's not content with us the way we are. And I think some of you are uncomfortable right now. You're uncomfortable in this church. And I believe that's because God's spirit is at work in this place. He's stirring our hearts because I believe he is more for us. Harvest time is coming. We need to be as fruitful as possible. Maybe you're uncomfortable because there's some pruning going on. There's some things in your life that need to change. Maybe there's some things you need to let go of. Some things you need to grow up in. But God's in the restoration business because he loves you. And he says it here. He's shaping our lives along the same lines as his son. He's gloriously completing what he has started to do. I'm going to switch to the message for the next wee bit. I am the vine, you're the branches. When you're joined with me and I with you, the relation intimate and organic, the harvest is sure to be abundant. Separated, you can't produce a thing. Anyone who separates from me is dead wood, gathered up and thrown onto the bonfire. But if you make yourselves at home with me and my words are at home in you, you can be sure that whatever you ask will be listened to and acted upon. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature as my disciples. And I believe this is how God reveals his kingdom. This is how my father shows who he is when you produce grapes, when you mature. This is how the kingdom is released. It happens through us, the disciples, the branches, when we bear fruit, when we mature as his disciples. And every time you do one of those things I've just said, every time you let go, every time you surrender your stuff to Jesus, every time you let go of what's holding you back, every time you allow him in, every time you let down those barriers and be intimate with him again as he restores and heals you as we walk in the freedom won by Christ it reveals the kingdom and it bears more fruit I'm going to pick on Malcolm because he's not here to defend himself but he's been honest and shared about the struggles in his life about having post-traumatic stress from being away with the army he's had a hard time but he's let Jesus in he's surrendered stuff to God and now he's seeing God God bear fruit and that doesn't mean that he's perfect he's a work in progress but he got to pray with someone in prison this week and they gave their lives to him so I keep talking about bearing fruit here and what you know what do I mean by bearing fruit and some people say it's the fruit of evangelism you know people coming to Christ and yes that is part of it we love that we celebrate that we are so excited that people have come to Jesus this week through people in our church but it's also the fruit of the spirit too it's us as believers becoming more like Jesus as I've already said, the fruit is the possession of the divine life itself. The gift of knowing God's love and accepting it is grace in itself. And I met a friend from uni um, a few months ago and I hadn't seen him for years and years. And we were just talking about different people that we'd both known from university. And he just said, none of my close friends who I was really friendly with at university go to church anymore. None of them are following God anymore, his group of four pals. And he said, I believe it's by God's grace that I'm still hanging on. You know, so as I said before, some of us are not being the branches. We're actually trying to be the gardener in our own lives. We're, we're saying, oh, I should be doing this. I should be doing that. We're not letting God be the gardener. 
And God the Father is the gardener. It's him who draws people to Jesus. It's him who does the pruning. We're the branches, not the vine, not the gardener. And I was imagining some of us um, standing beside people maybe our husband or wife or boyfriend, girlfriend, maybe our parents or our kids, maybe our friends with a big set of shears. We're trying to be the gardener. We're standing beside them going, come on, let me at it. There's a few things I'd like to prune off you. And they're just going, get off me. That's not your job. It's God's. And maybe like the older son in the story of the prodigal son last week, maybe some of us have been the judgmental ones. Some of us have been trying to prune people and not letting God do his job. But also, I believe that some of you here today have been on the receiving end on that. You've been standing there and you felt the people with the big shears trying to prune you. They've been trying to change you. They've been trying to tell you what you should and shouldn't do, what you should and shouldn't believe. And I think God gently wants to say to you today, that wasn't their job. It was mine. I'm sorry those people tried to be me. I'm sorry they said it in my name. Because I am your father and I love you and I welcome you and I receive you with open arms. Yes, there's stuff we can work on together. But I wouldn't have pruned you the way they tried to prune you. My ways are not their ways. All I'm asking you to do today is remain in me. You know, some of us have been hurt by the way others have treated us. Some of us are caught up in our own ways, our own stuff. And we're not, by not remaining in him, I think we're missing out. I read this in the commentary, and I really loved it, if you can read it there. And those who are worried about the assurance of their salvation should find comfort in the character and actions of God. It's not about us, it's about him. Our fretting over ourselves is itself a preoccupation with self that must be pruned away, for it inhibits our relation with God, our bearing of the fruit of eternal life. You know, we need to look at the character and actions of God. He sent his son. He watched him endure death and suffering on the cross to give us life, to give us that assurance of our salvation, to give us freedom. Our fretting over ourselves is a preoccupation with self that needs to be pruned away. You know, do you want your relationship with God to be inhibited? Do you want it to be less than? Or do you want the life in all its fullness that God promises? Do you want to see the kingdom come in your life, in the lives of your family, your friends, your work, your school, in Carrickfergus in Northern Ireland? You know, I believe that's why many of you are here. That's why you've come to this church, because that's what your heart's desire is. So I hope I'm not offending anyone, but in my when I read this, I thought the short version of this quote is, get over yourself and remain in me. Maybe that's what some of us need to do today. Stop fretting about ourselves. Let God prune that bit off. Get over ourselves and remain in him. God gave us all. God gave his son and gave us Jesus that we might have life. So you're telling me that's what you're saying. All I have to do is remain in his love. Okay, how do I do that? Well, it says here in verse 9 and 10, if you keep my commands, you will remain in my love. And we see the disciples humbly accepting Jesus, being willing to follow him wherever. 
And as I said, the message says, make yourself at home in my love. If you keep my commandments, you'll remain intimately at home in my love. And Jesus says here, that's what I've done. I've kept my father's commandments and made myself at home in his love. So remaining in Jesus means being responsive, like the disciples, saying, yes, God, I will follow you. I will keep your commandments. I will remain in your love. So God has taken the initiative, but we need to respond to say, yes, God, I remain in you. The divine must take the initiative and provide the means and the ability for the union to take place. But it cannot happen without the response of the disciple. And there's a song that we sing in church and part of it goes, to you our hearts are open, nothing here is hidden, you are our one desire. And that's what we need to be today. Just be open to God. Don't hide anything from him. And we, when we do these things, when we remain in his love, when we're responsive, what's the outcome? Jesus told us this, that his joy may be in us and our joy may be complete. How many of us are feeling joyful this morning? Because I believe there's more. There's more joy if we'll respond and remain in him. This is kingdom living, guys, not kingdom striving. God is pruning us for the sake of growth. And the kingdom is dynamic. It's not stagnant. It's an eternal reality. The kingdom is extending, and God wants each one of us here to be part of it. So we need to remain in him, and we will see the kingdom come. And the result is untold blessing for the disciple. That's you, and that's me. And that's through us. Through us extending to other people and we're seeing that happen already i'm trying to explain this but maybe this will explain it better we are in intimate union with him and swept up into his dance for which we were created and which brings the deepest fulfillment and deepest joy to our lives jesus joy came from such intimacy with the father and his delight to do that which pleases the one who is all love and goodness jesus is showing how our joy may be complete so jesus is saying to us that's why i've told you all this that's why i'm saying remain in me and this is what i want to share with you today the greatest fulfillment in life comes from this you know, Emily said last week, the prodigal son tried all sorts. He went and squandered his money and all that wild living stuff, but nothing could satisfy him. The older son tried to do it too by being good, by serving his dad, by always doing the right thing. But Jesus' joy didn't come from being good or from being wild. It came from intimacy with his father and doing what he saw his father doing. And that intimacy is open to all of us today who love Jesus. He says all that belongs to the father belongs to Jesus and has passed to us as disciples. And he calls us friends. He says, I'm no longer calling you servants because servants don't understand what their master is thinking and planning. No, I've named you friends because I've let you in on everything I've heard from the Father, everything. Jesus holds nothing back from us. Nothing is hidden. Will we do the same for him? Will we hold nothing back? Nothing hidden. And he's just saying today, remain in me. Sorry, nearly done. I kept thinking of that similar word when I thought of remain in me. I thought of abide, abide in me. Um, probably that hymn will start going through your head. So just to finish off, this is to take away. 
Abiding in him, what does that look like? Abiding in him means following God's commands. We follow him, we obey, we respond, we remain. Abiding in him means we need him. Apart from me, you can do nothing. So abiding means receiving, receiving continuously from God. Oh, how I need you, every hour I need you. And abiding means trusting. We trust him. We believe that he died on the cross that we might live. We believe that he's come to give us life in all its fullness, to give us freedom. We trust his promises. So we get to see his kingdom come. So today, I want to listen to that whisper when I start to feel afraid or don't know what to do. What, you know, where do I go with this? God, I want to see your kingdom, but what does that look like? His whisper today is, remain in me. Do you want to stand, everybody? So we're just going to take a minute or two to respond to that. You know, God's here. He wants us to remain in him. So we ask you to come, Holy Spirit. God is here. His heart is for you. He knows you. He knows those vulnerable places. He knows your heart. He knows if you find it hard to open up to him, but he wants to meet with you. He loves you. To you, our hearts are open. Nothing here is hidden. You are one desire. Lord, help us to remain in you. To receive from you, to follow you, to trust you. Come, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. We welcome you. We say yes to you, God. And Lord, would you help us to let go? Help us to let go of those times we felt judged. We felt that those people were standing beside us with shears trying to do God's job for him. Help us to let go of that. That wasn't your heart. Thank you that your kindness leads us to repentance. Lord, pour out your kindness this morning. And your joy, God. This is not kingdom striving, it's kingdom living. So pour out your joy this morning. You don't have to do anything, you just have to remain in him. Remain in him. That's all he's asking. Remain in me. Remain in me. Thank you, God.
So if you um, know that some of those things are for you, if you know that you have felt judged in the past, and maybe that's by other Christians, and you're finding hard to let go of that, we would love to pray with you. We'd love you to come up here so we can pray. And some of you, it's the striving. You're trying to do it yourself. You really want to let go, but you're not sure how. But you want to remain in him. You want to see God's kingdom come. We'd like to pray with you as well. So the guys are just going to play for a minute. And as they do, why don't you just come to the front? We're not going to do anything weird. We're just going to stand with you and pray with you and ask God to keep doing what he's doing. wonderful and just as we begin the lead just come the, the the word is simple it's clear it's remain in me and for many of us you, that, that that's that but for some of us you do need to respond you, and responding simply means coming and standing saying yes lord yes i i i choose to position myself my life my heart in you and for some of you that is the physical journey of coming and saying, yes, God, yes. So there's others out there. Would you come? Just come now. Don't wait. Don't bottle out. If God's been speaking, you just come and, and come now. That would be great. Thank you. Thank you. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out of me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love never fails and never gives up, never runs out on me. Your love. And on and on and on and on it goes. It overwhelms. Amen. 
this morning 